Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, if you've turned on your TV lately, or maybe you've watched a video on YouTube, you probably heard something like this. Doug Mastriano, he's extreme and way too risky for Pennsylvania. Mehmet Oz ran experiments on puppies, killing over 300 dogs. John Fetterman wants to release convicted murderers from prison. Ugh, I'm with Stephen Caruso, Capitol reporter for Spotlight PA, to talk about what is arguably the worst part of election season. It's Tuesday, October 25th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Stephen, every election, we hear ads that make like really, you know, wild claims. Someone taking credit for something they had nothing to do with or, you know, accusing the other candidate of something that never happened or maybe it happened in a very different way. Um, So who makes who makes the rules? Like who decides what goes into political ads? Well, that's a great question. And I think the thing is, there really aren't many. Uh, you know, like who makes ads or, you know, politicos who get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you check a campaign finance report, you'll, you'll see, you know, a lot of the big firms, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a strict regulation of how money gets in their hands for campaign finance laws, but like how they spend it is kind of just up to them. Uh, it's actually interesting that TV stations by federal law have to play any ad sent to them by a campaign that has like the I'm Dr. Oz and I approve this message. Um, That's Dr. Mehmet Oz, the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate who's running against John Fetterman. But so stations have to run these ads because what someone just paid for the spot? Pretty much. Uh, that's like a federal law on, on TV ads uh, from the FCC from like the 1930s. I think the idea was to make sure that a TV station, you know, couldn't turn someone down just because like, you know, maybe the lo- it's, you know, a magnate and their son is running and like, oh, well, the other candidate, uh, you know, is opposing my son or, you know, my political family member. So I'm not going to run them on my TV station. Right. So but that is only for like. TV ads, and that's only for like those ads that specifically have the like you know I am from directly from the candidate. Mm-hmm. There's a little more discretion once you get into super PACs, dark money groups, and all of the other fun spending vehicles for millionaires and billionaires to a- exercise their political muscle. Those can get a little more interesting. Can politicians like just lie in the ads? I mean, for the most part, like, I, I, the line from the conversation I had, the line is basically like, if you accuse someone of committing an actual crime that mm-hmm. they did not commit, you could sue over that and you might actually win. Otherwise, courts, particularly because these lawsuits are going to be brought before an election, courts kind of want to just let the public and the media all sort it out. Um, and, you know, that's sort of a, a long conversation we can have, because I think if we've seen one thing, it's that 
there's not as many reporters. People are very credulous. Uh, I don't know if social media makes that better or worse, but it's kind of up to the public to just take in these ads. It's for the, up to the media to say, hey, this is this is a stretch. One of my colleagues, Danielle Ohl at Spotlight, uh, she actually did a really interesting Twitter thread because some of the ads that are attacking John Fetterman uh, focused on this really scary term, but deliberate term of felony murder. Mm. And, you know, you hear that and you think, oh, felony murder you know, that's murder, I guess. Uh, murdering people is bad. Murdering people is scary. I don't want to be murdered. But what felony murder actually refers to is um, basically imagine you were the getaway driver without even realizing it. Like you, you drive up to a convenience store, you're with a friend, a cousin, a brother, it really doesn't matter. And that person runs in, uh, the rob the place, shoots the teller. Uh, gets in the car you don't know what's going on you just drive away at that point you're an accessory to murder and but and you could be charged with felony murder and like I, i'm not trying to necessarily say that like you can't judge that person for their role in this or whatever but they didn't pull the trigger on anyone you know it's it's I f- that's a very like political thing to do the the spin versus like misinformation can you kind of like explain what the difference is though between that because it feels Ooh. like a very gray area oh boy so (laughs) what spin to me is is when you don't like that and also look we have we live in limited time there's limited money like there isn't enough that you can't in 30 seconds unless it was me talking at my absolute fastest and i could talk fast run an ad that says uh John Fetterman can be scary because he wants to release people from prison, some of whom might have been accessories to a crime such as murder, and maybe they didn't pull the trigger, but doesn't that set a dangerous <laughs> precedent by saying that this person who helped their cousin kill someone potentially mean that that is bad? It's uh, good. You know. it's, that's a wordy ad. Yeah but, it, it, yeah, but what you can do is say John Fetterman as Board of Pardons is okay with getting people out of jail committed felony murder mm-hmm. and leave it to up for interpretation what that means. I think there's still an argument that you could make, but like it's not a sexy argument. It's a deep argument. It's a philosophical argument about the nature of crime and justice and punishment and like that's not what modern American politics is really about. Or, I mean, to be fair... I don't know how much politics has always been about deep principles, but this is where we're at. And we're we're like we're at this point though of being bombarded just constantly because it's not just TV. Um, I don't even watch TV for the most part, and you know they're on YouTube, they're on mm-hmm. you know my Instagram, they're they're everywhere. Has it always been like this, or I don't know? I feel like we're getting stuck with more, um, even more ads um, targeting us now. Yeah, I mean that is a that is a great thing. I mean, uh, the, oh, one thing I do want to I do want to throw out is that like it is worth noting with the digital ads, though, like a YouTube, a Hulu, any of these streaming outlets actually have a little more flexibility mm. to deny ads. I mentioned that like TV stations have to run it if they like it has that campaign disclosure. Your Hulus, etc., they have more discretion to pull ads. In fact, I remember uh, in the primary for Democratic Lieutenant Governor, they actually pulled one for a digital ad from Brian Sims, who was running against the Austin Davis, because he put up an ad that the Shapiro campaign said they thought was misleading, trying to imply that Brian Sims had been endorsed by Josh Shapiro. Mm, so, like, they can do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do want to throw that, that, like, so those digital outlets have more flexibility to say no. But with all that said... You know, uh, 
I don't have historic data in front of me, but I read a lot of history, and I think campaigning has always been a big part of American politics. It's changed a whole, whole lot. Yeah. I mean, it used to be that, like, instead of an ad showing up before you watch, you know, uh, The Bachelor on YouTube TV, what you'd get is uh, you'd go into town square to get your bread and milk every uh, in october and there might be some guy on a soapbox screaming about how good william henry harrison is you know (laughs) yeah but i I think yeah maybe it's just because we live in such a digital age it's like they can find us in so many places yeah you know like it's not like if you stop watching tv that you can just avoid tv ads uh you know that they're they're going to kind of track you down as hard as i try yeah yeah (laughs) exactly The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. It seems like some races, I don't know, are maybe like worse than others, like Senate candidates, Fetterman and Dr. Oz, they've gotten, you know, a ton of national attention um, for how they talk talk about one another, especially online. I I can't think of another campaign where a candidate hired, you know, a former reality TV star on Cameo to troll his opponent. You know, Fetterman hired uh, Snooki from the Jersey Shore to make fun of the fact that Oz is from Jersey. So are people like them, like changing the game at all in terms of how, you know, people campaign? Or do you think it's more of a unique situation because of their personalities? I can't say if it's changed anyone outside of Pennsylvania yet. I bet a lot of people are going to be watching this race, though, as a test. Um, The way I've kind of joked about it with some of my sources and my friends and colleagues has just been like, I feel like we're seeing a campaign by meme Mm -hmm. right now. I mean, John Fetterman literally just started a website called FetterMemes.com as like a way to try and spread his campaign message of like goofy photos of Dr. Oz mixed with campaign rhetoric and attacks on him. Uh, So, you know, campaigning by meme, how that turns into governing by meme is going to be like, you know, I I, I cover campaigns, but what's going to happen when it's not just a campaign where you're trying to engage people. And and I think certainly this campaign has sort of engaged a lot of people it's just a question of like, I've all, I've also talked to voters who who have said like the tone of this race has completely turned them off, and they just want to know what people stand for. What has turned them off? 
I think, like, all of it, like, you know, whether it is attacks on Fetterman's health, whether it's uh, all John Fetterman can say about Dr. Oz is he's from New Jersey, just the torrent of money. I do think there are some studies that have found that people get turned off when they turn on the their TV or, you know, in this case, maybe go to YouTube and just get bombarded by a wall of negative advertising, which is what we've seen a lot of. So then who are these ads for? Because, like, are they working on voters? Because they're not swaying me in any way. I am annoyed by them. <laughs> I already know. You know what I mean? Like, I might, I might already be a person who knows who I'm voting for. So who are they for? You know, and that is what the political ad makers, they probably have a data file somewhere where they have, based off of voting patterns, found maybe a couple hundred thousand people, maybe even tens of thousands of people who you think will be impacted by a specific message. It's just that you can't guarantee necessarily that they're going to look at your mailer. So like, the, you know, this campaign rhetoric is, it, it, it does trickle down. And like, I think like, you know, if we as reporters and people in media, we're already high information voters. If we're at the point where we're annoyed by it, that's probably the point where it's finally started to reach people who don't pay a lot of attention to politics, which is what people need. You know, they need to reach the folks who aren't necessarily uh, listening to a podcast every morning about about Pittsburgh news. And I, I say that with love and respect because, like, I do the same thing. <laughs> right. Are there any efforts to more strongly, I don't know, regulate political ads so we're not, you know, stuck, in li- stuck listening to – it's going to get worse. It's just going to get worse every year, you know, every year. Uh, I'm not aware of any, like, I I think a lot of it ties into, because, you know, uh, political ads are speech. They are a very particular, unique form of speech, but they Mm -hmm. are speech and there's, you know, a very wide precedent for protecting free speech rights in America. So usually when I see people talk about reform, it's usually either restrict the amount of money in the politics so that at least if they're going to run goofy ads... They don't have endless amounts of money from PACs, from millionaires, from unions, from corporations to fund them. Or there's also sometimes talk about changing definitions of what is what. That's known as electioneering, more or less. is like updating what we call electioneering to bring more ads under the umbrella of at least disclosure regulation of how they can be funded. I feel like the amount of money that they have to be spending on election ads has to be just insane. So why are they spending so much money? You know, in Pennsylvania, this is already a swing state, but there's a lot at stake uh, in our elections. So both the Senate seat and the governor's seat are open. There's no incumbent. Uh, Pat Toomey, the Republican who used to be the senator, is retiring. Governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat, he cannot run for another term. Hmm. So... Those races are usually easier to win, and winning them would bring a lot of of influence and power. I mean, the Senate race could decide who has a majority in the U.S. Senate, obviously a big deal. That could uh, basically, you know, kill or advance a president's agenda. Right. And the governor's race, that's important because the governor is able to sign bills, veto bills, propose a budget. They're the boss for state troopers and DMV workers and all these people. Like they're going to have a significant role in deciding what public policy is in Pennsylvania for the next four years, if not another four after that. So including abortion access and, and voting, Voting. labor, uh, environment, all those things are on the ballot uh, with the governor's race. So 
you know, it's it's an important race, and these people don't spend money unless they think they have a a chance of winning, or b that the odd, well, the the stakes are high. Stephen Caruso is the Capitol reporter for Spotlight PA. We'll include a link to all of his election coverage in our show notes. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. A little more news before you go. The city is trying to make it a little safer to cross the street. Officials want to hire more crossing guards, and in order to make it easier to apply for the job, they're getting rid of the requirement that you need to have a driver's license. The city's also installing traffic calming measures like speed humps in Glen Hazel. There is a difference between speed humps and speed bumps. But you should still look both ways, though, before you cross the street, just to be safe. And the Ganey administration held its first meeting to get community input on the search for the next chief of police. The former chief, Scott Schubert, retired earlier this year. While the mayor has final say in the hiring decision, his office wants the public's opinion on what they'd like in the next chief. There are four upcoming meetings, including one tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you like the show, rate us, review us, and don't forget to vote. And please subscribe to our morning newsletter. It has all the election day deadlines. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Sometimes my accent just like literally runs away with my mouth. And like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> reel it back in.